0: So we stress uh, patient volume, patient production, as well as patient quality. The, the dramatic thing with that is, is that when the doctors are paid according to how hard they work, then I don't need to worry about are they showing up for work.
1: Hello, I'm Dave Gans, MGMA Senior Fellow for Industry Affairs, welcoming you to the Executive Session, a monthly discussion with the healthcare leader on a critical issue of interest to medical practice executives. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Javon Bayo, fellow American College of Healthcare Executives, President and Chief Executive Officer, Mercy Health, Rockford, Illinois. Javon and Mercy Health were recognized during the MGMA 2019 Annual Conference with the Harwick Innovation Award, recognizing how Mercy Health's unique W-2 Physician Partnership Model incentivizes system physicians to improve patient service and effectively and efficiently manage their care and medical costs. Javon, please introduce yourself and describe your background and your current responsibilities.
0: Sure. Hi, Dave. Yeah, so Javon Pei. I'm president and CEO of Mercy Health, and my background is that I uh, went to Mayo uh, after undergraduate school at Illinois to uh, get my master's in physical therapy. I met Sister General Gervais, who was the CEO of St. Mary's Hospital, with Mayo. I became interested in administration Spent a year with her and then went to Minnesota for my MHA. Spent my residency out at the Mason Clinic, Virginia Mason Hospital, and then uh, was offered a position at Mason Clinic. But Sister Generals asked me to come back and be her vice president, called assistant administrator at that time. And uh, I couldn't turn that down, you know, being one of three vice presidents for the largest hospital in the country under one roof that was a closed medical staff to the Mayo Clinic. So I spent 10 years at Mayo. And then after we merged the three organizations into one, I had an offer to be the Chief Operating Officer of the Daughters of Charity uh, National Health System, their hospital at Providence Hospital in Southfield, Michigan, and spent three years there as COO, and then 30 years ago accepted the President-CEO position of what was then Mercy Hospital in Janesville, Wisconsin, uh, which was a small, struggling, standalone hospital. I'm... Grew up in Rockville, Illinois, just 30 miles from Janesville, and so uh, family reasons uh, brought me back to Mercy, and I've been there ever since.
1: And Mercy's been done great things since then. <laughs> yeah,
0: we were 33 million dollars of gross revenue when I started 30 years ago, and today we're 3.2 billion dollars yes. in gross revenue.
1: And, and how many faci- how many different hospitals are now part of the system?
0: Yeah, so we have seven hospitals mm-hmm. and 89. Uh, physician locations, primary specialty, several of those I call a hospital without beds, which means we have multi-specialty physician practices with ambulatory surgery, emergency rooms, and recovery beds up to 23 hours, but we don't keep people overnight, I, so we don't have to call it a
1: hospital. Yeah. Well, let's talk about specifically uh, the topic that where you were recognized for the Innovation Award. And uh, which is how you built a physician team, which is which you've referred to as the W two physician partnership model, which relieves <clears throat> physicians from the administrative responsibilities of, of managing a practice and lets them focus on patient care. Uh, can you give us little, some more background on that on this model of organiz- organizing your doctors as in part of your vertical integrated health system?
0: Sure. Well, back in one thousand nine hundred and eighty nine, it was pretty controversial for. Uh, stand-alone community hospitals to quote get into the physician business and employ physicians and I really did not want to employ for physicians in a traditional sense where they'd be paid guaranteed incomes or mostly guaranteed compensation I really wanted to create a model that physicians would be compensated just like they would be in private practice and have control over their clinical practice but still fall under the umbrella of the 501c3 organization So I really created a a document, a professional service agreement that would meet the uh, qualifications of employment uh, in the eyes of the IRS, but that would still allow physicians to begin the year not knowing how much income they were going to make, so that if they worked harder, they made more money. It was always based on a tiered compensation model, so that the more volume they created, the higher their tier structure. We also created an incentive called the PIP, Physician Incentive Program, which was based on meeting quality indicators. So we stress uh, patient volume, patient production, as well as patient quality. You know, I think the the, the dramatic thing with that is, is that when the doctors are paid according to how hard they work, then I don't need to worry about, are they showing up for work? Are they working hard enough? Taking some extra time off, because I'm not guaranteeing them any compensation. And their percentage that they receive is really comparable to what they would be receiving in private practice. And then you say, well, how do you achieve that? And how that's achieved is in order to come up with this model, we really created a software package that allows us to put in important pieces of data in the marketplace, such as the uh, payer mix, the amount of Medicare, the amount of Medicaid, the amount of managed care, the amount of uh, commercial insurance. We do surveys. Of the existing doctors in the community, confidential surveys of what the specialists are pulling out of their practice and compensation versus the primary care, and a number of other factors, and then this software product really provides a, a, a tier structure of compensation. And what blows people's minds usually is that I can have a neurosurgeon and a family doctor on the same tier structure, and but what they make from it is dramatically different. The neurosurgeon may make, you know, $2 million a year, or a million and a half, and the family doc may make 250000 So that, that tier structure has been, that we create based on market indicators and market factors, has been very successful and allowed us to track hundreds of doctors. But most important, even in addition to that, is the culture that we created, and that is the culture of having our 8,000 employees realize that the more successful we help our doctors be in their practice, that that success is going to flow to the whole rest of the system. And so really created a, a culture of serving doctors to help them to be more efficient so that it would help the whole practice.
1: Yeah. That sounds really interesting. In fact, you mentioned your PIP, <coughs> your PIP program for quality, mm-hmm. because one of the elements that was noted in the award was how, your, you know, that you're focusing not just on production. Right. You're focusing on the quality of care. So right. How does, what is it, what is PIP and what are these, some of these metrics of quality you're looking yeah. for? Yeah, so we
0: actually, and, and, and the thing that about this is that as reimbursement changes from CMS where more is on meeting, <clears throat> you know, quality indicators, we can, right now the split is about 94.6, right? So mm-hmm. 94% is on production. 6% is i meeting quality indicators, because when you really look at how uh, ACOs are paid, yep. it's a pretty small percentage, but it's ratcheting up over time. And so we'll continue to change that split between production and quality as the reimbursement uh, split changes from CMS. We set goals ahead of time and, and the start of the year, and it can vary by location, It usually varies by specialty, you know, primary care versus uh, specialty doctors. And they have to really meet certain practice standards or quality standards. We have our own medical insurance product that offers 14 different insurance products to the marketplace. And managing populations of patients through the insurance company has given us a big leg up in knowing how to set quality standards, and goals that we set in the PIP program. Very,
1: very interesting. Now, you mentioned (coughs) your your various payers. What percentage of your practice today would be considered full fee-for-service, and how much is either capitation or some other form of value-based care, such as your ACO business?
0: Yeah, it's different in Illinois versus in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a better overall payer mix than in Illinois. But one of the things that the model is premised on is that we cannot protect the doctor from the marketplace that he chooses to practice in. So if he wants to practice in Rockford, Illinois, where Illinois Medicaid pays 18 cents on the dollar, that would be happening if he's in his private practice versus with Mercy. So we, we don't protect the doctors from the payer mix they would be working in, but we can protect them from bad debt. And charity. And we, uh, so what that means is that basically the tier structure is not based on actual income that's collected, it's based on what's supposed to be collected. So if the health system fails to do its job in collecting from Medicare, collecting from Medicaid, collecting from commercial insurance, then uh, the doctors aren't penalized. They're paid at the prevailing uh, Medicare rate or the prevailing managed care rate. So the doctors don't have to worry about how efficient or inefficient is the system is at collecting what's supposed to be collected. But to answer your question, the Mercy Care probably makes up about 20% okay. um, you know, of, of the patients uh, or the doctors' mm-hmm. practices in Wisconsin, and a very small percentage in northern Illinois. We just really merged with Rockford Health System five years ago, okay. and so Blue Cross of Illinois is kind of the 900 pound gorilla yes. in Northern Illinois. And so Mercy Care is just now making inroads because we've built up a sufficient provider mix to where we can start sharing companies yeah. in yeah. Northern Illinois.
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the advantages <coughs> that you described with Mercy Health is that you're fully integrated. In other words, the doctors are really part of the system with the with the inpatient and ambulatory care facilities. And you have your insurance arm as well.
0: That's right. One medical record. And, and e- even having, like for our ACO, Mercy Health um, did not, we didn't have to develop new structures or uh, new costs, you know, to take on new costs. We were already functioning as an ACO when the Affordable Care Act yep. was enacted because our doctors and our hospitals were fully, completely integrated. And on our steering committee of our ACO, we actually have members from our insurance company who have tremendous experience in managing patient populations, uh, work with uh, members of our health system in helping to uh, achieve various case mix management. You know of our patients, uh, so I would have to say that when we look at our success as an ACO, uh, besides the fact that Mercy was already functioning as an ACO, our goals, you know, are really develop for the ACL by our doctors and other care providers together. We have a single medical record that supports evidence-based practice standards to coordinate care. We also employ strong case managers to help coordinate care. We have strong outreach programs for wellness and to manage chronic visits, uh, and Our managed chronic diseases. The, the point here is that the doctors are integral and integrated in all of this whether it be the steering committee of the ACO, and we don't have... I think ACOs that are trying to be an ACO via contract are going to be unsuccessful because as more and more bundled payments come from CMS, which are already happening, that bundled payment is not going to be sufficient to cover the cost structures of independent physician offices and independent physician groups and the hospital and the other components. Those bundled payments... I think ACLs that are, ACLs only via contract are going to be fighting with each other over getting their share of that bundled payment.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And I I think, uh, I know from discussions that uh, organizations that oftentimes get bundled payment, the first question is, who's going to receive the payment? Mm -hmm. If it comes to the doctors, they take the majority of share Mm -hmm. and they give the minority to the ambulatory surgery center or the hospital. If it comes to the hospital, they take the majority share. Right. And gives the minority to the to the physicians, right? And in those cases, there's always a party that doesn't has a problem.
0: Yeah, and why is that? Because the party that has a problem is trying to cover its cost. That's it's, right. <laughs> and and the other the organization that's taken it is trying to cover its cost. The problem is you have duplicative cost structures. Yeah. Trying to divide up too small of a bundled payment, and bundled payments are a reality. There's more already coming forward. When you have a single vertically integrated organization you have one cost structure and so therefore the doctors can be paid for their professional services and the organization can be paid for its facility services.
1: Well see and also you're gaining economies of scale. You have one medical record. Right. You don't have two. Right. You know one for the facility one for the doctors. You don't have your care coordination you still have to have care coordinators. Right. But it's so much easier when you're within (coughs) the system and especially since you have a multi specialty practice with subspecialties, right. then it becomes much easier to, with a common medical record to coordinate care and right. bring the patient back to primary care.
0: That's right. So we're in 89 clinical locations in 39 cities and in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And for a family, it doesn't matter which family member is treated at what location, they get one bill. They get one family's billing statement. They don't get multiple statements. Yeah. And as you say, one medical record.
1: Well, how many physicians are uh, are part of are part of the, of the of the group?
0: Just over eight hundred.
1: Okay, so if, again, that's the other element of economies of scale, right? Where that you know you have eight hundred physicians, you know, and also they you're doing predominantly internal referrals, right? Which again, he is a very cost-effective way of of keeping the dollars, and you're not you're not having leakage outside the system. Yeah, to be a successful
0: ACO or just to be a successful organization, if you're sending a lot of subspecialty referrals to other organizations, you're going to always be kind of a day late and a dollar short, right? And So when we find that we have enough volume to support it of referrals, to support new subspecialists, we recruit them. And so over the last five years, we've recruited over 350 new subspecialists.
1: And you have a strong primary care base, so they stay busy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: 39 cities. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now, yeah. now uh, also in your application, you talked about your, some of your community functions. Because obviously when you're across 39 cities, you have a, a, a very large portion of two states uh, right. that you're, service, you're serving. Uh, you, know, you, you mentioned providing charity care. Right. Uh, what other benefits have the communities uh, received from Mercy Health?
0: We actually, it's a whole array. I mean, we offer hundreds of various health and wellness programs. We even started 20 years ago the House of Mercy, which uh, provides, you know, we noticed people coming in to the emergency room listing their car as their home. Mm -hmm. And so we um, had uh, a convent that was built Mm -hmm. by the nuns that wasn't being used. We don't have sisters involved anymore, but they still built it like a, you know, kind of a battleship, yeah. and so we turned that into a uh, homeless center, okay. and that's been running for uh, 20 years. And 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 when I say center, it's not shelter; it's a center where uh, it's mainly for women and children or families, and they stay a minimum of 30 days. And we get we have a whole host of community services that team with us to get these people back into uh, being self-sufficient. <clears throat> and it's been it's been you know it's actually received the Nova award twice in the last 20 years from the American Hospital Association. It's been very successful, and the, and the, the organization takes a lot of pride in it. Mm-hmm. It all runs on volunteers, yeah. <coughs> and our partners, our Mercy partners, uh, do all the volunteering at that. But I think that in terms of um, those cities, having that streamlined care where people are not being put in a hospital, that, that they don't need to be in a hospital. And, yeah. and so it's just having the right care delivered, in the right or in the right uh, facility
1: at the right time yeah. and coordinating and I coordinated mean, yeah. right. no. uh, in fact I'm very impressed <clears> with <throat> the you're basically you're, you're providing for the light, you know I you use the term lifestyle assistance for, uh for people who need it in a somewhat unrelated area uh, Denver Health which has uh, the largest of uh, it's a city managed health system in Colorado they're actually building apartments right because they have a large home, a homeless population, and they realize they've been providing health care services for the homeless, and they can't discharge somebody if they have no place to go home. So they're building an apartment for them. That,
0: that's very much why we started you know, the House of Mercy and very much why we, have, we go into outreach programs mm-hmm. promoting wellness, health, making sure that people, because they're going to end up in our emergency rooms, right. and we're going to end up having to provide them care for much more chronic problems or more expensive problems so it's better for them and better for mercy health if we keep them healthy
1: yeah and if by chance that individual is part of one of your risk contracts right you're providing better care at a lower cost
0: no question that's how that and we we started I started that health insurance uh, mercy care health insurance company probably 25 years ago mm-hmm. when you've been at mercy 30 years we, and and the amount of intellectual capital that we've gained over that 20, 25 years and how to keep people healthy has been tremendous. And so we cascade that knowledge from our insurance company to the
1: rest of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, in fact, if you have that in the insurance company, you start understanding, a better understanding of population health. That's correct. Then I think most providers have because you're, you're seeing a bigger perspective on it.
0: That's why we have the... Uh, a number of folks from our health insurance company sit on our steering committee mm-hmm. of the ACO. Yeah,
1: and now is the ACO part of Mercy of the insurance company or is it separate?
0: Well, the ACO under health care right now, I mean, we, the, it's, I guess I'd have to say it's part, the ACO, excuse me, the health system is the ACO okay. for a much bigger population, mm-hmm. but Mercy Care. Uh, it has a smaller piece of that okay. population, like twenty percent, right. so um, it sits on the ACO oh, okay. certainly for the Mercy, but they're managing their yeah. subscribers almost independently of yep. the ACO. But they're bringing us knowledge for the whole pop, the other eighty yeah. percent too, which helps you manage the population. Right. So that's a Medicare
1: <coughs> ACO. That's right. That's right. Right. You know, and Mercy Care, of course, is not. So that's you correct. Your, it's a, a great opportunity to take in-house skills and learn. From your, you know, from your own, for your that's own that's executives you. uh, who manage populations manage population for a living, <laughs> for right. a living, yeah, right. Uh, I can, you know, help very easily understand why the ACO has been so, so successful, right? Uh, you know, now, how does the physician partnership model fit in with the ACO? Because they're got, the delivery arm.
0: <laughs> not, well, I'd have to tell you that the physician partnership model is really the foundation of the entire vertically integrated health system, which allowed us. To grow from 33 million to 3.2 billion, and the growth from one little struggling standalone hospital to 89 facilities and seven hospitals. If your doctors are with you kind of part of the time and not all the times, and if they're admitting but competing, I mean, you really have a house divided. When the physicians are fully integrated in the health system, you have common incentives, common goals, and as long as they know and how they're being compensated, which is very similar to private practice and they have tremendous control over what's important to them in their practice, the system is really making their life easier, so they have more time for production, right, yeah. from a from a busyness from standpoint team. of a doctor uh, running And maybe more life.
1: time for, for their own lives, And too. for their own <laughs> lives, right. Yeah.
0: The, the time to see more patients and for their own lives. Yeah. But you've got to have a culture that doesn't kind of treat them like time clock-punching employees right. because they're actually not. That's what's neat about it. I don't have to wake up in the morning and wonder if, my 800 salary doctors are going to put in an honest day's work for their comp, because if they don't, they're not getting compensated. That's
1: right. Yeah. But you wake up in the morning, you've got 800, 800 doctors wanting to work for you. That's right. Exactly. Which is a great feeling, I'm sure. It's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> That's how we've grown. Yeah. And another 3,000 other employees. Right. Uh, no, thing. actually,
0: we got another 8,000. Oh, 8,000 right. other yeah. employees.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, actually, you know, this has really been enjoyable, but I know there's a lot more we could discuss. but I think at some point we have to say you know we have a limited amount of time to, to record sure. our, our session. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, you know, you know I, I would
0: I would just say that healthcare is changing dramatically. Mm-hmm. It certainly has in my lifetime. I think it's going to change even faster with the advent of technology. I'm asked to sit on several boards of new technology companies that are coming forth with emerging technologies, and uh, but I still go back to the foundation of. of adapting to all these new technologies and new delivery models is having the doctors and the hospitals be part of the same organization. That is the foundation and you can adapt to any change that comes from the government or the marketplace or technology if you're working together Day in and day out, uh, you know, with this with common incentives.
1: Yeah, I think common incentives and common goals. <coughs> and common having, goals and I common think. governance. That's right. Makes all can make a difference because you are you are actually one organization. Yeah, you know, and not trying to coordinate care among others. You no, know, we
0: have physicians on our board of directors. You know, two chief medical officers. I mean, um, I I depend on those guys greatly. Yeah.
1: Javon, thank you so much. This has been most enjoyable. I'm sure our listeners will find your information uh, very, very helpful for them. And I think, you know, I can see why many people may be envious of the organization and your leadership. Yeah, and I guess I'd just say
0: that the best things in life don't come easy, and, yeah. but you got to persevere and just uh, take it each one day at a time and keep moving forward.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to work at it, but you can see the results. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Dave.